This is the Ends with Z podcast. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz. And Cecile, this is episode number 29. Can you believe it? We're almost 30, Juan. Almost 30. It's exciting to to circle Mm -hmm. back around that one more time. (laughs) And we've covered so many topics um, that have helped a lot of people. And I think today we're tackling one as people reemerge, come back to the office, start working again. Um, there's a lot of things that are that are worrying people, concerns uh, for employees, employers, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to hopefully uh, tackle all of it. And the interesting thing is that we started talking about these things right when we started the mm-hmm. podcast because this podcast was born out of the That's pandemic. Right. And I think the benefit is, of course, the work that we do at U.S. Executive Search and Consulting mm-hmm. is dealing with human capital and what makes people excel and what makes companies thrive and how do we support the leaders, the founders, the CEOs, mm-hmm. the presidents, the managers of those firms create a better ecosystem for for their employees. And so we've been tracking it very closely because it's the work that we do. And now it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it, mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. It's it's an important topic. And things have been morphing so quickly over the last couple of months. What gave me the idea for this uh, particular podcast was an article I saw called The Great Resignation mm. is here, which was about how so many people were quitting their jobs um, because they didn't want their lives to resemble what it did pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed more free time. They were thinking more about their careers in this quiet time, this lockdown time. Some of them were exploring entrepreneurship. We mm-hmm. saw, you know, restaurants that changed from in-store dining to to delivery only. And um, I think a lot of people are, are dealing with the same thing. They're, they're coming forward. Companies want them back and, and they're not sure if they want to come back. Well, yeah, if, if we think about it, we've been at this now 15, 16 months. That's right. That is a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about when was the last time. I uh, will put it put it to you this way. Uh, New Year's Eve, everybody has New Year's resolutions, right? That's right. We probably didn't have many this year because we were just happy to, to put 2020 behind us. Mm-hmm. But you can track, we all met at the gym, we can track... Uh, January, February, the gyms are packed because That's everybody right. made a New Year resolution to get in shape. But within 30 to 60 days, it goes back to normal because people have a hard time adjusting to change. Even though they right. might really want to change something in their life, it's hard to to make those leaps to change mm-hmm. our behavior. We were forced to change. We had no option. No choice. That's and right. it's been 13, 14, 15 months because not everybody is back to work yet on a on a pre-pandemic basis and that's what we're going to explore in this podcast and so if every human being had the forced meditative time to Mm -hmm. think about what does work-life balance really mean am I really happy doing the work that I do does this fulfill me and for employers because we want to talk about it from both perspectives we want to talk about it from the employees and the people perspective as well as the companies and the managers and the CEOs and the business owners. But employees are thinking, does this company really value me? Does mm-hmm. my boss really care about me? Do I really care about this work? Uh, we are in an employee shortage. And so the power has shifted, I think, for the first time in decades, that the power is resting largely on the employees. Mm-hmm. We are seeing uh, ads for companies that are paying people bonuses. I just heard something today uh, on the radio. I think it was one of the casinos here locally in Southern Mm -hmm. California that was announcing a job fair. When was the last time we heard that? I've never, I mean, it's been a while since I've heard of companies doing massive hirings. 
Yeah, and it was a job fair, and they were specifically saying for the housekeeping staff, mm-hmm. for the janitorial staff, they were paying them. They were offering a thousand dollar bonus. It's amazing, isn't it? To come back to work, mm-hmm. and where I can say. I have a, an opinion about someone needing to be given $1,000 to come back and do work if they've been on unemployment. That's a separate is- issue. Leaving mm-hmm. that aside, the fact that people are that unwilling or they're thinking about or they're saying, I need to be treated better for the work that I do. That is shifting, mm-hmm. has shifted the, the power. And, and it's not necessarily, as, as we've heard before, where, oh, people don't want to come back to work because the stimulus money is good and mm-hmm. why go home? They're making more money at home. It goes beyond that. People do want to be treated better. They want to be valued yes. for their work. And they want to have that free choice, especially uh, parents or, or people that have mm-hmm. someone at home that, that, that needs them there to, to work perhaps in a hybrid uh, mm-hmm. type of situation, right? I call it the, the reawakening. The way we talk about it with our clients is it's almost like a like the human revolution, mm-hmm. you know, the industrial revolution mm-hmm. and this allowed machine, allowed the utilization of machines and, and assembly lines to really propel us into a different way. Well, this is, the, to me, the great human awakening where the utilization of, of technology and AI and all that it allows us in combination with the right human talent, with the right people, um, is what keeps businesses propelling forward. Mm-hmm. But people are now awakening and saying, I need to be treated better. It cannot just be about corporate profits. It cannot be uh, about the way it used to be because mm-hmm. the pandemic was the greatest re- disruptor, certainly in 100 years, in our generation. And the power has shifted and mm-hmm. people are rethinking. And I think the reason why we they we have this struggle right now happening as to how do we go back, how do we create a new um, workforce, how, or mm-hmm. not a workforce, how do we create the new the new normal of how people work in this country? The reason that's happening is because we have almost too isolated, we're being presented that there are two isolated belief systems. Mm-hmm. The companies or the owners or the managers wanna go back to the way it was, mm-hmm. and the employees want to work from home exclusively. But that's not true. Studies show, statistics show that they don't, it's not an either or, it's a new, and we don't know the answers yet. We have to uncover them together. We have to realize that just like no two people alike, there is not one model that's gonna fit. And the model that we had during the pandemic is not the hybrid model. That was an emergency model. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, the the building is on fire, grab what you can, get yourself to safety model. So now it's a time to have real active discussions. Mm -hmm. Think about not why are we coming back to to work, but what is it that we're coming back to work to do? I remember early on, um, companies were saying, we're never going to go back to Mm -hmm. the way it was. You're going to be able to work from home, stay home. the thought that uh, companies would love to get rid of some of these real estate holdings that yes. they were renting. Well, I'm starting to hear, we see it in the news all the time, companies want their employees back, and especially some of these younger um, workers who have basically spent a lot of time in, in the tech world, for example. Mm-hmm. They prefer to come back. They do want to come back uh, to the company, but not everybody is like that. And the reasons why they want to come back mm-hmm. are different than the reasons why what the data is showing us, mm-hmm. managers want them to come back. And it's also different generationally. So if we That's think right. about the mm-hmm. the younger generation, the younger 
even a little bit of the Zs, which are eight, who are eighteen, I think eighteen, nineteen uh, this year. They're 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 the kids working at the what we historically say the kids that are working inside the 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 fast food stores or mm-hmm. maybe they're doing retail on the mm-hmm. weekend on a part time mm-hmm. basis. But the young the younger version the younger generation within the millennial generation, mm-hmm. those that are twenty twenty one you know and and up. They are very concerned about being completely remote. There was a, a several right. several studies, one by by Sharp Europe a Corporation that interviewed six thousand employees, and they're concerned about being remote exclusively because they feel that they're going to miss the opportunity for training, for mentoring, for collaborating with their colleagues, mm-hmm. basically being seen. Because there is a preference, there is a bias towards people who are working in the office and people that are not working in the office. Mm-hmm. You see them as more engaged. You see them as more wanting the work, yeah. but that's not necessarily true. And so they smartly so are concerned that they're not going to be given as much support, as much training and ingrained as much in the company and therefore as much opportunity if they're not on site. Yeah, I saw another um, study also by Citrix, a technology provider mm-hmm. um, firm. They were saying that younger people are feeling underinformed, cut off from the rest of their their workforce, and that actually 60% of employees ages 18 to 40, so that would be the millennial, right? Mm-hmm. The, yes. Pretty much spent most of their adult lives in this tech-centric environment. They do favor mm-hmm. some sort of hybrid arrangement. Um, in fact, um, I think Apple uh, was mm-hmm. one of those companies they were, they were citing in this study uh, that does want people to come in on certain days or stay home on certain days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely a, a company that's looking towards the future. And obviously it is a tech company and it is a much younger workforce. So so that definitely works. But something also that really caught me off guard, Cecile, was reading some of this research was that some of these younger workers felt a great deal of loneliness mm-hmm. uh, working from home. Well, I have a very, very dear friend who mm-hmm. has two sons, and they're brilliant. And her older son graduated from Stern. He graduated with honors. Mm-hmm. He was one of the very, very fortunate and elite few who was recruited to investment banking, which is my old domains. And <laughs> you know, they they recruit the 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 best and the brightest, and people that are very driven and very confident and very talented. He has all of those qualities, and he's a great human being, and he mm-hmm. loves his family. So he started, they actually postponed his start date um, uh, because of the pandemic, and he started, I think, six months later, and he was fortunate enough to still have the, his job as an analyst. They all come in as analysts. So this is the this is the career that you see in the movies like Wall Street, where oh, yeah. you're making six figures at the age of 22. You're could make, the fast life, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can make a million dollars by the time you're 25, and so all great things. And he loves the work intellectually, but it was a combination of having to work 80 or 100 hours a week, mm-hmm. and when he was not working on site, feeling lost a little bit and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and. Because not only the, the amount of wor- the amount of work did not change, it piled on, but he was working remotely, and so the ease with which he could just ask somebody, he could turn to one of his colleagues, "Hey, how do you do this?" or "How do we figure this out?" or even just say, "Oh my God, this is so much work." Yeah, it is. And feeling the camaraderie of mm-hmm. you're in it with somebody else, it wasn't there because he was sitting in his apartment alone with his roommates. Mm. And that's the other thing: if you're in one of these big cities. Um, the probability, especially a city like New York, the probability of you having multiple roommates in a very small apartment is very real. Mm-hmm. So how do you have 
the the ability to really focus on your work when you're in a you know 600 square foot apartment with four or five people all of them trying to mm-hmm. work from home sharing one internet line right it's just it doesn't it doesn't work and how many times have we heard in, in cities like new york that you can feel the loneliest mm-hmm. in some of the busiest cities where you're a stranger to so many people and it's moving at such a quick pace that you do feel kind of isolated and especially for the younger uh employees mm-hmm. that are just starting their careers um there's um, a lot of value. There's a lot of um, emotional connection that happens with your colleagues. It doesn't mean that they're going to become your best friends. You still have your friends or, or your family, mm-hmm. but there's it's the shared experience of going through these things together. Mm-hmm. You build the bond, and, and it happens throughout your life. We have built the bond the way we met, mm-hmm. uh, and we're still here. And we've morphed over yes. the years. We, yes. were, we were all friends uh, in a dance class uh, going yeah. out to lunch every week to to becoming more like family um and know, some of us stay together and some mm-hmm. of us have drifted that's apart right. and and that's what the the your first job your first meaningful job out of college kind of becomes that it's mm-hmm. it's your first ad- step at adulting right yeah. you you yeah. you're kind of adult light when you're in college and then when you step out into the real workforce you look to your colleagues even just to say am i wearing the right thing am i doing the right thing what happened and we all can think about stories that are funny some of them are less funny mm-hmm. but they're they're a part of the fabric of what made us the people and the professionals mm-hmm. that we are now i can imagine that must be really really hard for them so how do we find this balance cecile how do companies come to the table still concerned about profits and wanting to make some money but also caring about their employees because we are starting to see that shift in many mm-hmm. companies where it's not only a, a stakeholder focus but also keeping that workforce happy which in turn creates a happier workforce and and a more profitable one? Well, the the first thing that um, we all have to think about is is that we cannot think of it, as I said, in an isolationist standpoint. Mm -hmm. They want this and we want Mm why. That's not true. It's not that black and white. Nothing is. So, Cecile, since we're tackling the work from home uh, topic here, when it comes to that, it's not an either or situation. You're saying things are not black and white, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It is going to continue to evolve. Right. But the one thing that is not going to change is the fact that it's going to be off the table. Hybrid work, work remotely. We also use the term location neutrality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning it's neutral wherever you want to live as an employee. That is here to stay. We were predicting this or I'll rephrase that. Um, the workforce was changing. World at Work is an organization that tracks how the, the workforce globally, uh, how they think, what they want, uh, norms, trends, mm-hmm. how things are changing, because it changes every year and it changes from one generation to another. And they predicted this in 2017. They predicted in 2017 that location neutrality in 2022 was going to be one of the key reasons why people change jobs. Well, 2022 mm-hmm. happened in 2020 because of the pandemic. So when companies think about it as how do we get people back to work Mm -hmm. on site Mm -hmm. period they are choosing to not see the reality of how the world has changed around them and unfortunately the world is not going to adopt itself to suit their thinking to to Mm -hmm. suit the thinking of those leaders and so there's some there's there's myths there's old thinking 
that no longer serves the purpose of those leaders mm -hmm. because people are not going back. That's what we're talking about. And it, and like we said, yes, there's a factor perhaps that they're they're still getting the, the additional stimulus payments from mm -hmm. unemployment. But the fact is, when that runs out, I'm going to tell you that those people will still demand that there is some flexibility yeah. because it makes sense because the, the, the biggest factor that was revealed was First and foremost, that to really have an ability to have a work-life balance mm -hmm. is a, done a lot easier when you're not commuting for two or three right. hours at a time. When you have the ability to, to you can be at home with your kids. Uh, women who are working moms, in some ways it was a lot harder for them. In some ways it was a little bit more manageable for them. So these are these are realities that have or that are here to stay. Um, so we, the first thing that we, mm -hmm. we suggest to our clients to do is to think about what are some of the beliefs that I have? What are some of the myths that we need to debunk so that we can really think about how do we create strategies? And the first myth is thinking that a company is in the culture is not good for our culture. We hear that often. It's not good for our company culture if people are working remotely. Well, culture is dynamic. Mm -hmm. Culture is ever-changing. Culture, we say that culture is to the collective or to the collective mm -hmm. in a company, what character uh, is to the individual. The individual's character make, us up, make up the culture of that firm. Is that because companies think that employees constantly need to be monitored or feel like they're being watched for productivity to be high? That's one of them. Actually, that's one, one of, of the myths. One right? of the myths. Mm -hmm. Gartner, uh, this wonderful organization, they're they're a brilliant consultancy. They mm -hmm. they came up with the ten myths. They they studied, they tracked the ten myths that they hear from their their clients as to what the challenge is, and that's one of them. They think that employees are more productive if they're monitored. Well, how do you tell people that who have worked remotely for fifteen months and who have been extremely productive? Firms have been extremely successful. Mm -hmm. Look at the earnings report, which we're going to get more out in the next several days. You can't tell them that because that is just simply mm -hmm. not true. It may have been uncomfortable. It may have been not optimal to the way this happened because we had to do it in a moment's notice because mm -hmm. of the pandemic under duress. Mm -hmm. But the truth is people are productive. To point, the studies are showing that people are more productive when they're working from home or they have... Let's rephrase that. When people have more flexibility with their schedule, what it is going to require, how companies can start putting their arms around this, is they have to rethink how they lead, how they engage, mm -hmm. and how they train people. They have to look at their culture and say, why are we here? What are we here to do? Why do we want people back in the office? And to do what? The majority of the time when people are in an office, they're not engaging with others. They're usually sitting in their own cubicles or in their office doing their work. Mm -hmm. So you're paying this extraordinary overhead and all these things that are associated with having big offices for people to just be in a room together, not engaging, but in a room together. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what you were saying earlier that um, I've been thinking of as you've been talking is that this sort of hybrid work environment mm -hmm. was was already in in the minds of, of yes. analysts years ago, pre pandemic before even a pandemic was in our future, and and it was fast tracked for a lot of companies, including mine. We had tons of people um, working remotely, and it did work, and yes. people did get used to it. And and if you have a fifteen minute break, if that means lying down on the couch or checking in on your pet 
or your child, um, it, it did make, I think, the person uh, a lot more happy, a lot more satisfied to then get back to work and, and continue doing what they were doing. Or if you're a working mom, going and throwing a load of laundry. That's right. right? Or yeah. just going outside mm-hmm. and breathing fresh air and looking at your garden. Uh, or sitting down and petting your dog and calming yourself down after a very challenging call with a client. Yeah. It becomes... Uh, it, it, it just changes your experience of life and, and work. The other thing that, that I, I think is uh, we recommendations that we make that we find very, very helpful to our clients is to have them think about when you think about your employees coming back, they're coming back to do what? What is it that you need them in the office mm-hmm. for? There, it's true. There will always be a certain uh, sector and section of work that has to be done on site and a certain sector of the professional world that has to be done one-to-one. If you're a surgeon, yes, some surgery mm-hmm. could be done robotically, right? You don't even have to right. be there. But there's Manufacturing. Some, correct. Something like that. You need to be at the plant. Correct. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things that uh, as, a, as a doctor or a physician, you have to do in person with, an, mm-hmm. with the patient. But look at how the growth of telemedicine. Right. Look at the growth. We had John Silamparis, the, right. the psychotherapist, in our podcast on several occasions. And we also learned that he was able to reach a lot more people, help a lot more people, because Zoom and Zoom therapy sessions became a much more accepted or the only mm-hmm. norm. He was able to to care for a lot more people, whereas before, maybe that would not have been the case. So there's a lot of benefits of embracing this new reality. But what does that mean to to companies? Mm-hmm. They have to shift their thinking to ev- ever learning, ever training, mm-hmm. ever developing, ever engaging. So how do you get these companies to change their way of operation to make those work from home employees just as valuable as the people who do come in? Because we were reading also in some of our literature here that some of these younger employees mm-hmm. are feeling that they're missing out on promotion. Mm-hmm. They're missing out on advancing with the company because they're not there in the office being seen face to face. And that's where engaging, uh, training, mm-hmm. uh, creating uh, on those times where you will, if they do have a model where it is mm-hmm. where it's a hybrid, where some of the time you're working from home, some of the time you're working in the office, whatever that number is, let's let's leave that number aside. Whether it's one day at the office, two days at the office, three days a, a month, whatever, whatever that is, mm-hmm. when. When you come into the office, it becomes very purposeful. You come into the office and it becomes a time of high degree of collaboration, Mm -hmm. uh, innovation, um, exchange, Mm -hmm. training, so that employees now are looking forward to coming to the office. There are very specific reasons. There are very specific things that are going to be accomplished. And so that the mindset is not, oh, my God, it's Monday. It's time to the work week is starting. But this is my my turn to be in the office. We're going to receive training on X. We're going to mm-hmm. engage about why I'm going to be part of this group that's thinking of how we're going to address or we're going to learn more about the products. And, and it becomes an opportunity to think differently of how we engage each mm-hmm. other, how we get people excited about the, the, the work that the company does or mm-hmm. the things the company does. And that in turn will reflect in the productivity and the engagement that those employees have, not only with each other, but with the clients or the consumers mm-hmm. or the end customer. And just thinking about what you're saying, if I ever had a situation like that where I was a hybrid worker, I would probably have a to-do list, right? When I'm coming into the office, I need to meet with this person, Mm -hmm. with that person. We'll have lunch over here. But you just basically are almost more efficient in your work versus just coming in and 
seeing where Correct. the day leads you, right? And that's what they're seeing. Uh, and those companies that have a, a already a, a, a clearer path to hybrid work, mm-hmm. they're seeing the productivity both increase when employees are working from home or off. We'll use the term offsite and onsite when right. employees are working offsite versus when employees are working onsite. It's it's more energized. People are more excited to be in the office. It's more focused work, and. If you think about the fact that pre-pandemic, 30% of the workforce in the United States on a day-to-day basis was already working off-site. Maybe they were calling sick from home. Maybe they they did have some flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, Or for whatever reason, 30% of of the workforce was already doing this. On an annual, on a daily basis, year over year, mm-hmm. so now we're thinking about increasing to what fifty percent, seventy five percent of the time. Seventy five percent would be great. I know for a lot yeah. of those people who do want to work from home. Yes, and think of what the rippling effect of that mm-hmm. would be to our communities and to the economy. Mm-hmm. First of all, we all experienced it in Los Angeles. When people were sheltered at home, mm-hmm. yes, it was very traumatic. But look at what happened to the quality of our air. Look at what happened to the quality of the water. Look at what what happened in traffic. The, yes, mm-hmm. all of it. And as we started to slowly reemerge, we also saw people uh, wanting to 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 visit their their local restaurants. All of that is going to shift. People, I think, are going to become more engaged in their communities because they'll have the time Mm -hmm. to do that. They'll have the time to walk their kids to maybe swimming lessons or dance lessons or uh, music lessons, whatnot, because they will not have that bulk of their time spent commuting and and focused on, Mm -hmm. on, on other things where they can repurpose that time to have a more meaningful life. And let's face it, if you're dealing with clients, Cecile, nobody would know if you're in the office or in your car or at your home office. Mm-hmm. They would never know. And they probably don't don't know even today. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beauty of IT. That's right. the beauty of right. what technology does. And technology doubles in capacity every 18 months. So 18 months from now, what we think is great and awesome that technology does, it's going to be at a whole other level. You mentioned Citrix, and they have been one of the leading technologies of allowing people to work remotely, Mm -hmm. voice recognition and and voice over IP phones. They were thinking about that uh, years ago. I remember when we first, in my my firm, when we first uh, purchased our voice over IP phones, gosh, this was probably 2013. I thought it was fantastic because it's a voice over IP, so it's over mm-hmm. the internet. Uh, I was going to uh, a vacation to Armenia, mm-hmm. and I actually took my phone because so long as I had an internet uh, connection, you were connected. Right? I mm-hmm. my clients would call me in Armenia, and the phone rang as if I were in my office. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I think it was kind of you have to ask yourself why why are you taking your office phone to to vacation in Armenia, the other side of the world? Right. But I thought it was phenomenal that we could do that because back then the roaming charges on your cell phone oh, were astronomical yeah crazy that's a lot more reliable mm-hmm. now but think of those advances that we've made that allow people to work anywhere so 18 months from now it's going to be even a whole different a whole different world of what we're able to do mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the 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 work that is being done now that we say we simply cannot be do it from home a lot of that will also transform because of technology. So what are we going to do with that workforce? Mm-hmm. How are we going to retrain those people? And we were talking about this in, in some of our other podcasts. How are we going to retrain those people to to continue to be thriving, contributing members of society? 
We should start doing that right. now. And for the younger workforce, it's just going to be their new norm. It's yes. going to be what, what they know. And most of them, I was reading somewhere that one of these job um, site uh, web websites that help you look for jobs, similar to a LinkedIn, I think it's Indeed, um, the, the company, they were saying their number one search um, term was work from home. Yeah. People putting in their search um, parameters there, work from home was one of the number one uh, things people were looking for were jobs they could work from home from. Well, that's uh, going back to that study from World at Work in 2017. Yeah. They said that that was going to be um, that was going to be the the um, uh, the number one reason why people change careers. Another myth that was that is being debunked by the research and the data is that hybrid work or working remotely really f- affects DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Data does not support that that belief system. And and look, we three are are diversity employers and employees. Mm-hmm. So we we not only represented and we supported I as a as a business owner absolutely supported and as a and as a leader in in this industry, we 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 help drive our clients thinking to embrace that even further and put it to practice. But the truth of it is Hybrid work allows people of certain socioeconomic backgrounds Mm -hmm. to have access to higher paying jobs if they don't have to jump on a bus or commute Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. live in a different zip code to be able to apply for that job. It gives them greater access and greater a greater access to a playing field that perhaps previously was not available to them. And for the company, it opens them up to a wider pool of talent, right, to fill these positions. Absolutely. And and people who um, who want to 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 work in a perhaps at a different industry that Mm -hmm. would give them a greater economic reward and, and give them a greater career path and life path. But again, don't have the access because they have to live so far to be able to afford housing for their mm-hmm. families. That's no longer the case. They can actually pick up and move to a different state. That's right. And, and, work and we're, seeing, hap- we're yes. seeing that happen. Yeah, we're in, seeing that happen in, all the time. In states where real estate was a little cheaper, prices are starting mm-hmm. to go up because people are moving to those or areas. Sc- or because, schools are better, mm-hmm. better school system right. for their kids. So there's all so all so that's um that's another one of those myths that companies say as, as a reason why they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that one of the biggest challenges, though, if, if we sit back and we say, well, what does this all mean? What does this all mean? And why is it so hard? The truth of it is that we find change very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, American companies, especially the very large companies, have been very successful, very profitable, mm-hmm. um, and they have been led successfully by a certain ideology, a certain model that is no longer reflective of, of where the world is today. And I think the smart leaders, the leaders that lead with equal amounts of compassion as they do uh, with a sense to give some meaningful or shareholder return, mm-hmm. I think they're going to adapt. Um, and that's the key is realizing that the leaders of today and tomorrow have to be people that mm-hmm. are very adaptable mm-hmm. that see what is changing in the market what is changing not only in technology but in human capital and in what people think and what they want and they're able to adapt um, we call it the four principles which is people purpose profit and planet mm-hmm. um, some people call it the three p's we call it the four p's mm-hmm. companies that think about that um, are the companies that are going to thrive because mm-hmm. they're they're their decisions the way they create a culture, the way they hire people 
is in thinking of, of those four factors, how they are changing and how we adapt with them. You talk about data debunking a lot of these myths, Cecile. Do you think a lot of companies, though, are still digging their heels into the ground, a little bit resistant um, to change? I mean, we see what's going on. You mm-hmm. say that uh, this hybrid workforce just changes in the workforce and company culture is inevitable, but then it seems to be a very slow process. Like anything that has to do with human beings changing their thinking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, that's why I use mm-hmm. that example of, of January and February of the new year at a gym. It's right. packed with people, but by March it's <laughs> right. empty. It's mm-hmm. it's the old it's the old usual suspects because it's the people that had the the focus and, and the will to change and to let go of behavior, let go of habits, let go mm-hmm. of the desire to eat a hamburger and fries and a coke, you know, every other day. Right. Um, that have the capacity to change, and that's why it's hard. Um, it is also very scary. You know, let's remember that CEOs. They have a tremendous amount of responsibility on their shoulders. If you if you want to think of it this way, a company mm-hmm. with thirty thousand people has ultimately the responsibility. The CEO has a responsibility for those thirty thousand people, and then it has a responsibility for to all those shareholders. So it's mm-hmm. really scary. It is, I am sure, is what keeps them up at night. If they if they make a wrong move, the cost is a massive rippling effect. Yeah. So it's, it's important that we also recognize that we're asking um, these leaders, we're asking these C-suite leaders to, to take massive risks, to, to do something that has been not previously done, to step outside of what has been the norm, to embrace what is the now and what's the future. And so many of these leaders, I think, kick the can down the road. They just delay it and mm-hmm. delay it and delay it. In your line of work, Cecile, you deal with the employee and, and the companies mm-hmm. that want to hire these people. Who is the easiest to manage? Because um, <laughs> I would think it's the employee, right? You want the to computer get them, is the easiest to right? manage, not whenever you deal with yeah. people. It's, it's, but when you want to change that CEO's mindset and say, hey, I've got a great candidate and XYZ and he would like uh, to work from home or he would like to, I mean, what's what, what's the hardest to, to manage? That's a really loaded question, but it's a really great question, Juan. And, and now we see why you have an Emmy. Um, <laughs> it's... It's honestly, so we, we are retained by the employers, right. although we feel that we have a fiduciary responsibility to both parties. Right. Um, and for me, the personal privilege comes from changing people's lives. And, and, and I, you do. It's yeah. amazing what you do. And you, pl- and you place these people in these great jobs. And yeah. for me, I see it as I transform companies mm-hmm. by bringing That's phenomenal right. people, by helping change the thinking. By finding of, the best. Mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. changing the thinking of of, of leaders and therefore mm-hmm. changing the fabric of a company. And, and everyone on my team thinks that way. Everyone mm-hmm. is motivated for the mm-hmm. same reason. Um, I think that it, it is not easy to change thinking of leaders in a company, um, but without my ability to help them think differently, right. I will never make a reality happen for the talent that we bring to a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but without the people that are exceptionally talented, that can be the 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 theory of brilliant people mm-hmm. who think differently than you will transform your company. Without it's a chicken and egg. Right. But I think what perhaps is is easier. It's easier to change the thinking of an employee, mm-hmm. but it's more impactful. Rewarding, maybe? 
I think it makes a bigger difference when mm-hmm. we when we change the thinking of a company because that opens the floodgates for real change mm-hmm. to happen well, through the you, people that we bring yeah. to them. So what you do is you plant that seed and you're hoping that it's going to take root and, and change will happen eventually, right? We have to plant it. We have mm-hmm. to nurture it. We have to water it. We have to fertilize it. We have to come back and sometimes plant it again and replant it. And we have to come and mm-hmm. bring a, a hybrid version of that plant until it actually takes root. Right. So for any um, head of a company, CEO who's listening to this podcast and listening to your words, Cecile, <laughs> these CEOs would be rock stars in their industries if they just took that risk, if they just saw that change was inevitable. And 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 I mean, we hear about these CEOs yes. that, that, are, that are forward thinkers and and everybody reveres them. Yes. So change is good. Don't be afraid of change, right? And they take risk every day. In fairness to them, they take risks every day. Um, but remember that as quickly as we revere them, especially we're still in a council culture. Yeah, this, yeah, especially mm-hmm. in a council culture, they're the first uh, first of them to for us to beat down. Um, one of the the leaders whom I revere very highly mm-hmm. in, in the financial industry is Larry Fink from BlackRock. Um, so when you think about BlackRock, uh, they are one what of What kind of company is they're that? They're an investment company. Okay. They're, they're known for their funds. They're one of, mm-hmm. I, I think they may be now the biggest mutual fund okay. company in the world. Brilliant, highly educated, highly successful. Uh, financially, these people are making lots and lots of money. However, what the CEO did is he made it a mandate of the company that before any of these other mutual fund companies were able to have their products, let's say, on their platform, mm-hmm. they had to show that they also had a strategy for socially responsible investing, that the planet mattered, that the people mattered. Mm-hmm. So he made it a corporate mandate to believe and to s- demand that of, of that of their their clients, the people mm-hmm. that wanted to do business mm-hmm. with them, that they basically put their money where their mouth was. Right. So you, here's a here's a leader who took these risks of saying, we're going to demand this. This is our belief system. This is what we believe is important. It's important for us to make profits, but we care about the people. We care about the planet. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, if you want to come do business with us, if you want to put your products on our shelves so that we can have access to all these investors, right? you got to show me that you also believe what we believe. That was very risky. That was very, at the time, it was not as cool and as hip and as common mm-hmm. as you hear about it now. Mm-hmm. But the rewards are phenomenal. I mean, that's, I, there are people doing it out there. Yes, um, and it's true what they say. It does come from the top. And it, in this case, to. it did. It has to. Change comes from the top. So, Cecile, we talk about change. That really, truly is the constant in no matter what field we're in, mm-hmm. right? The only, my father used to say, the only mm-hmm. constant in life is constant change. Yeah. And that, to us, is is the biggest takeaway. That's the biggest lesson. And that's actually why this podcast was that's was right. created, because we were, we were, um, thinking about we were analyzing we were wondering why people were reacting so drastically to to the pandemic and hoarding toilet paper right. and because they were afraid they were afraid right. of the unknown mm-hmm. uh, and they were reacting very very emotionally so the takeaway here is what we what we want to think about as business owners and as leaders and as executives and as companies is to understand that flex Location flexibility, location neutrality, hybrid workforce mm-hmm. is here to stay. And to 
to recognize that as they were able to adapt very, very quickly with no option to not do so at the beginning of the pandemic Mm -hmm. is to use that skills and now put a a better framework as to how do we create that as part of our ever-present way of doing business? How do we create a culture of highly adaptable people? How do we create a business model where we're able to to go with the tide a lot easier when the tide changes because we are still in the middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Things are a lot better, but there's spikes here in Los Angeles were spiking. There's uh, talk of all these variants and concerns. Mm -hmm. So God willing, we won't go back to being uh, locked up, but we don't know. That's right. And so how do you then incorporate that? How do you change your thinking as how you think about your business where you're constantly adapting? And for the workforce, for those employees, for people to say, what have I learned about myself during these 15 months? How have I learned to be less rigid, more adaptable? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, have a sense of ever learning, ever growing, ever changing, find out what I really love to do, what skills that perhaps I, I have that I didn't know I had. And for companies to create that culture of ever engaging, ever, ever training employees so that when change comes, you can roll with those waves instead of crashing up against them. Right. And not be afraid of a crossroads or a fork in the road because you know it's coming. And it's opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Crisis reveals opportunity. Just mm-hmm. what we're talking about, that, that employees are feeling that they can have a better life mm-hmm. with hybrid. That was really scary at first. That was miserable. We were all lonely. We all miss, you know, hashtag miss hugs, miss vacation, mm-hmm. miss. But what was the result of that? We realized that this could be a better way to live. So in that crisis revealed opportunity for a better life. So mm-hmm. lean into that, uh, roll with those with those waves, roll with the tide and not crash against it. And you know, think about what, what survives uh, a storm? Is it a, a very, very strong, with a strong trunk uh, pine tree that will topple over at high winds? Or is it a willow tree that bends in whatever direction the wind is blowing? And when the storm passes, it's still there and it's still upright and it's still growing. So be like the willow. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one because above all else, you matter.